Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Well, I hope you all are good this morning, man. I hope that you're excited to be in church this morning because, listen, I'm excited, and I don't like to be excited by myself. Amen. <laughs> like it's good to, to share in the excitement with, with everyone. And so, man, I hope you've come expecting a word from God this morning because I believe that God has, has given us a word for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. And I love that about the Bible, man, that, that God uses his word that was written thousands of years ago to speak directly to the situation we're facing today. It's just as relevant today as it was when it was written. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> grab them. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to start in verse 19. And we're going to pick up almost right where we left off last week. And, and listen, I'm believing this, that those of us who have entered this place beat up today, Man, we're going to leave this place built up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those of us who have found ourselves in a battle this morning, man, I'm believing that God is going to reveal strategy for victory. He's going to reveal it this morning. Amen. If we will, we will open our hearts and hearken to what the Spirit is saying, allow the Spirit to give us an unction to pursue Jesus every day of our lives. And, and here's the fact of the matter is, you will win. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, you will win. You will win. And listen, <clears throat> the reason I can say that with such confidence is because of what Jesus says. Jesus said, in this, in this life, you will face trials of many kinds. He says, in this life, you will face giants and battles and, and struggles of many kinds. But, but take heart, be of good courage, because I've already overcome every single one of them. Amen. Scripture says that we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. That's what it says. It says that we are more than conquerors, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It tells us that we can be strong in the power of His might. It's incredible. It's incredible. It tells us that we have received victory through Jesus. Not we might receive victory. Not that maybe, maybe we... We could receive victory if this goes right or that. No, no. We have received victory. The victory has already been given. It's already been purchased on your behalf and on my behalf. See, when Jesus went to the cross, right? When he went to the cross and he was crucified for your sins and for my sins and for the sins of the entire world. When he did that on the cross, he said this. It is finished. He said, it is finished. Saying the enemy is finished. Sin is finished. Condemnation is finished. Shame is finished. That victory is now complete. He was saying, oh death, where is your sting? Oh hell, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up with the victory that I just purchased for those who, who have received me. It's an incredible thing, man, to, to live for God. Amen. But the reality is, is sometimes, sometimes we need to be reminded of this victory we need to be reminded of it because man life has a has a way of of beating us up right it has a way of getting us down and making us feel making us feel out and see this is the, the enemy's ploy he tries to confuse us into thinking that we can't be winning that it's impossible to win because of 
because of all the things I'm going through, because of all the struggles, because after all, man, my kids are a mess. My marriage is a train wreck. My finances are a struggle. Man, I have an addiction, a porn addiction, a drug addiction, an alcohol addiction. I have all these things plaguing my life all the time, these giants that I'm facing. So, man, it, there's no way I can be winning. There's no way, and he tries to get us to start believing that we can't receive victory. But I really feel like the Lord today is wanting to reveal to us how we are to walk in victory so that the giant can't keep us in defeat. You guys okay with that this morning? Yeah. Amen. Yeah, I'm believing that God's going to encourage us. And, and I'm believing that through the passage we will be reading that God will start revealing these mysteries on how we are to slay our giants, which leads us to the, to the message, the title of the message which is, can we put this up? <clears throat> Slaying giants. Come on, say it with me. Slaying giants. Touch your neighbor again and say, slay your giants. Slay your giants. Man, we're going to get this written on the tablets of our heart because I want us to walk out of here understanding the victory that Jesus has already given us. That's what I want us to do, man. Because if we could walk in that place, it won't matter what is happening around us. Not that, we will, not that we'll be glad that it's happening, but we'll realize its place when it is happening that it has already been placed under our, our feet. And so, 1 Samuel <clears throat> chapter 17, okay? What's happening is, is the Philistine army has come up against the army of, of Israel. And the Philistines thought they had a secret weapon. They, they thought they had the weapon in a giant named Goliath. Now, this was a massive dude, man, massive dude. Over nine feet tall, the scripture says. Over nine feet tall. And everything about him was intimidating to all other men. Everyone was intimidated by him, which, which by the way, is by design. That's by design. The, the enemy designs it that way. The giants that we are facing is supposed to intimidate us and try to beat us into submission to it. That's what it tries to do. It tries to cause us to cower in fear. And, and this is what is happening in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Goliath, the, the giant, he, he comes out to, to defy the armies of the living God. Trying to cause them to, to run and hide and to sit in fear. And everything about him is intimidating. From, from, his, from his height to his armor. From how he looked to how he speaked. Everything about him actually spoke and not speak. I'll catch that. Praise the Lord. Like, everything about him. He was an intimidating force. He was a force to be reckoned with. And in verse 5 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, it starts to tell us and explain to us this armor. How he was covered in bronze, man. His helmet was a helmet of bronze. His coat that he put on was a coat of bronze. Matter of fact, scripture says this. It weighed 125 pounds. Could you imagine that? Just his coat. I can't even bench press 125 pounds, let alone walk away. I remember when I was a kid and I was in track, they tried to put a 10-pound vest on me to run around. And I'd be like, get off me. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't want to run in the first place, let alone put more weight on me to run. Come on. He had a coat that weighed 125 pounds. It said that the spear that he carried, the shaft of the spear was like a wooden beam. It was a wooden beam. This is how big this man was. It said that the head of the spear weighed over 15 pounds. 15 pounds, I have a hard time curling that, let alone throwing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is how big. Everything about this man was massive and meant to intimidate 
the people of God. And every day he would come out and he would, he would chant at them and taunt them and, and tell them, why have you come out drawn up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the, the servants of Saul, he would say. Choose a man among you to let him come down to fight me. And if he's able to fight and defeat me and kill me, we'll serve you. But if, but if I'm able to fight and kill him, then you'll serve us and you will be our servants. And he would say this day after day. And he would say, I defy the armies of the living God. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man so that we can fight together. This happened for day on day on day, every day. This giant would try to come and try to come and overpower the people of God. And up to this point in the story, it's actually working out pretty good for him. He's actually doing pretty well because the people of God was listening to the voice of the giant. They, they were listening to the taunts of, of the enemy. They, they were believing because they were listening to the lies that they couldn't be victorious. There was, there was no possible way they could do that. And this is where the story picks up in verse 19. And this is what it says. Can we pull this up, please? Now Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And we're going to stop right there. We didn't get very far. But the Lord revealed some things in this text that I really want to, to bring to light to, to all of us so we're not surprised by what the enemy, enemy brings. See, the enemy, the enemy likes to attack when we're in the valley. He likes to attack us when we're, we're in the valley, when things at work aren't going good, when, when things at home are tough. Right? When our relationships are hurting, when, when it feels like we, we just can't get ahead in life, and when it feels like life is just crashing down all around us. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or are you guys always walking on cloud nine in here? And you should be preaching and me sitting. Like, when all of life is, is crashing in around us and we're in the valley, that's when the enemy begins to, to taunt us and try to convince us that we can't be victorious. This is, this is his his ploy, he, he attacks in the, in the valley, but he must have not have ever heard uh, the Torn Well song. Right? Like, must have never heard that, that he's the God of the hills. And Listen, if I didn't have a sore throat, I could sound just like him. <clears throat> me and Torn Wells, I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Don't believe me. Come back next week when I'm better. I'll sing for you. <laughs> he's the God of the hills and the valleys. He's God of both. He's the God of both, and the, and the same God that is, that is good on the mountaintop is the same God who is good in the valley. The same God that got us to the mountaintop is the same God that will sustain us in the valley. It's just the, the way it is. It's, it's the God of the hills and the, and the valleys. He's God of, of both. And here's what is so important for us to, to, to remember. We have to recognize who is the one that got us to the mountaintop. We have to recognize that, guys. We've got to be careful to give God the credit that he is due. We have to. It's, it's so sad, but it's so true. So many people, right, I run into constantly. And, man, they're really hurting. They're going through a valley, and they will turn to God, and they'll come, and they'll talk to me, and, and they'll want wisdom and counsel and all these other things. I'm not sure I give it, but I try. But they come in, and they're sitting there seeking God to get them through the valley. But the moment when life goes from bad to good... When it goes from worse to better, they get gone. They're nowhere to be found 
any, any longer. When, when life gets better, you, you know what I mean? Like our relationships get better. Work gets better. I'm no longer fighting with my coworker or my boss. We're, we're buddies. We actually did lunch and now we're cool. So, so life is better and, and, and I got a raise at work. So now finances are better. So now eh, I'm good. I'm good now. So many times I've ran into people who are financially struggling, financially struggling, and they'll come in and they'll talk about that and, and ask God to help them with it. And I'll see God miraculously move and open doors that nobody else could open. It was just him. But the moment that they get out of that financial struggle, man, they're not giving God the credit that he is due for it. They're not honoring God by living for God. They're not honoring God with giving to God. They're, they, they get gone when, when the going gets good. They're, they're gone. So we've got to be a people, man, that make sure we give credit to God when God takes us on the mountaintop. And when we are in the valley, we are to lift our eyes into the hills. We're to lift our eyes into the hills for where our help comes from. It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, understanding that if God created all of this with a single word, with just the, just the sheer majesty of his breath, then you better believe he can pull us up out of any valley at any time. That does deserve a clap offering for real. Like, any valley at any time. God's a better version of Marvin Gaye. Come on, somebody. <laughs> there ain't no mountain high. No, I'm just kidding. What you should have done was stop by Sarah Sweets and grabbed a sweet to come in for a dinner or a, for breakfast and a show this morning if, if you'd have been smart. Like, we're on a roll this morning. Amen. Amen. I'm feeling good because of what God has done. I feel confident because of what Jesus has done in my life and what he continues to do in my life. And I'm excited for, for all of you that he's going to do the same thing for you. Amen. 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 So yeah, I can be a little loose and a little excited because, man, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Did you know when the disciples came back and they were casting out demons and they were doing all these miracles and all these things were happening, they were reaching all these people, and Jesus looked at them and said, don't rejoice because the demons flee at your name. Don't rejoice because you can grow a big ministry. Rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what we rejoice over. Amen. Amen. And this is, this is a way that we continue to walk in that, that place, how we are to slay our our giants, because here's the thing, man. God is our refuge from the storm. He's the, he's the one that the righteous run into and they are saved. This is the God I'm, I'm talking about. He, he rescues us in our, in our times of, of trouble if we just simply call on his, his name. He delivers us from the hand of the enemy. But the enemy will attack when you're in the valley. It goes on into verse 20. It says this. And David rose early in the morning, and he left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. So remember last week how we talked about how David was faithful in the field. That David was faithful where God had placed him. That he was, he was faithful right where he was. He was faithful with the anointing. This adds to it. This says he was faithful under authority. He was faithful under authority. Telling us this, that anointing is good, but authority directs the anointing. The Lord shared with me years ago. 
he said this. He said, passion unbridled is chaos. You ever seen a horse with, that hasn't been bridled? Man, they got a ton of passion, but boy, they're chaotic. That's the same way we get with anointing if we are not under authority. If we're not under authority. See, see David, he leaves his father's sheep. Why? Because his dad told him to. His dad said, leave your sheep and go to the battle lines. This is why he, he did it. He listened to the authority that God had placed over his, his life. He didn't just leave the sheep because he felt like leaving the sheep. Like, oh, you know what, man? I'm my own man. I'm going to go do what I want. Right? I'm at the age now. I'm a teenager. I'm Brody. So I'm going to go do my thing, and dad can't say nothing about it. I'm going to go do whatever I do because this is what I do. He didn't, he didn't do that. He, he left the sheep because his authority said to leave the sheep. Listen to me, church. Hear me. We have to be a people who understand that we have to be under authority in order to get over the giants that are fighting us and plaguing us. We have to get under in order to get over. We have to. We, we must stay under a covering and stay under accountability. We must be under authority in order to ever receive authority. This is just the way God operates. This is how God does things. And the best way to ensure that we'll never have a place of authority is don't submit to authority. God will never place you in a place of authority. We have to learn to be a people who can submit to those God has put around us and over us. Submit to the authority of God. If we want to be a people who slay giants, are you guys with me? It got really quiet. I know it's, I know it's I'm preaching good when you guys get quiet. You know what I mean? Like, it must be coming and hitting the heart. Amen. I know it hit my heart. I know it hit my heart, man. We've got to be a people who allow other people to speak into our lives that we trust. Other people, we've got to give them authority for our own accountability because it protects us. It guides us. Got to be under authority if we want to be a people slaying giants. We have to be. So many times I've, I've heard people come to me and, and, man, they are so talented and so gifted. I'm telling you, so gifted and talented. But because they can't submit to authority, they never reach their full potential. They never reach their full potential. So many times I hear people come to me, well, I do what I want, like an overgrown Cartman. Like, I do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're too saved for that. That was before I knew Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, that was BC, man. <clears throat> but so many times people do that. Nope, I do whatever I want to do. And, da, 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 and God told me and this, da, 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 da. But yet no one is around you confirming what God told you. You out on your own island doing whatever you want to do, not under authority. You'll never be able to slay your giants with that type of attitude. It just won't, it won't happen. And when people come to me and they say, well, I'm grown, right? I hear that all the time. I'm grown. Yeah, but you're immature. <laughs> you may be grown, but you're super immature right now. Guys, we, we have to be under authority in order to get over the giants that are plaguing our lives. And this is what we see in the life of David. He's a man under authority. And it goes on and it says this. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle lines shouting a war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for the battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, 
the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out of the ranks and spoke against the people of God as he did before. I defy the armies of the living God. And all the men of Israel, when they saw him, they fled from him and were so afraid of him. And the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Have you seen this giant that is fighting against me? He is taunting us. Surely he, he has come to defy the, the armies of Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his, his family free, free of taxes in Israel. And David said to the men that were standing by him, what shall be done for the man who, who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? And I love this part right here. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the, the armies of the living God? Who is this giant? Who does he think he is to defy God's people? And the people answered him in the same way that they had done before. So shall it be done for the man who kills him. And so what we see here is the giant is taunting the people of God and he's taunting David. Telling him, you'll never win. It's impossible for you to win. I am going to destroy you. I'll destroy any of them who dare to come and challenge me. This is what Goliath is, is saying. Trying to keep them bound by, by fear. And isn't that the way the enemy does us? It's the same thing that the enemy does to us. He, he taunts us and, and tries, to, tries to tell us that, man, we'll, we'll never win. It's impossible for you to win. It's, it's impossible. You'll always be a slave. You'll always be ruled by it. You'll always be bound by this, this giant, because after all, you've always struggled with it your whole life. I mean, so it makes sense that you'll just continue to struggle. I mean, all your relationships have, have been broken, and you've never been, hold on, been able to hold on to a relationship before, and so this relationship will be no different. You'll just always be single. That's just all there is to it. You'll just continue. And listen, man, being single, when you desire to, to have a husband or a wife, man, becomes a giant in our lives. It becomes a giant in our lives. And the enemy will use that and keep telling you that you'll never find the one. You'll just always be single, so just give up and stop fighting. But see, but see, God's word says that he gives us the desires of our hearts. Amen. That when we desire, if we desire a spouse, if we, if we desire that, because he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and he who finds a husband finds a stud. Amen. Men say amen. I made that up. the gospel according to Keith. You know what I'm saying? Like, bam, bam. He who finds a spouse finds a good thing. And if that's our heart, man, and we're single, man, we've been, we've been trying for years and, and pursuing for years to look for who God is, is sending, this becomes a giant in our lives. And the enemy will keep, keep reminding you of your failures in the past to try to keep you in your past during your present. This is what he does. But here's the thing, man. You keep praying. You keep believing. And you don't have to start settling. You don't have to settle. God has the best for you. He's got good gifts for you. He's got plans to prosper you. So you don't have to settle. You just got to keep believing and keep praying that God is going to send you Mr. or Mrs. Right. Amen. Amen. But this is what our giants do. They, they taunt us. And they remind us of all of our failures and our insecurities. So that we stop believing in the promises that God has spoken over us. And this is what 
this is what happens. And, and by the way, we can expect this to happen from the enemy. This is what he does. This is, this is what he does. But, but, but see, David, David wasn't about to listen to this giant. He says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this pagan? Who is this man that doesn't know God coming out here to defy the armies of God? Who does he think he is? He may be big, but my God is bigger. There's no one greater, no one higher, no one like my God. This is what David is, is saying. He confronts the giant with the spirit of God, with the word of God. This is what we have to do. We have to confront these things that are plaguing our lives by his spirit. Because it's not by power nor by might, but it's by his spirit, declares the Lord. That we defeat these giants and these things that plague our lives. See, scripture says this, that the eyes of the Lord roam, roam to and fro across the entire earth, searching for hearts that are, are truly his. Searching for a people who will rise up and look their giant in the face and say, not today. Who do you think you are to come against me? Because I know God is for me. And if he is for me, you can't stand against me. Nothing can separate me from the love I have in God and Christ Jesus. Nothing. God is looking for a people who will, who will do that, who will go, go right at the giant and say, not today. Church, we are to face our giants and the things that are plaguing us in faith. Not with cockiness, with faith and confidence. Scripture says faith the size of a mustard seed and every mountain has to crumble. Every mountain has to move and be thrown into the sea. Faith of a mustard seed will cause every giant to bow at your feet as long as you're bowed at the feet of Jesus. Because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. So David calls on the Spirit of God to confront his giant. But, but look at what happens in verse 28, because this is wild. Look what happens. It says this, now Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he was speaking to the other men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said to him, why have you come down? And with whom have you left your few little sheep in the wilderness? Go back to doing what you all always did. I know your presumption of evil in your heart. I know you came down here just to see the battle. And David looks at him and he says, what have I done now? Showing us this, that obviously Eliab's done this multiple times before because he understands where it's coming from. He's like, well, what did I do now? Didn't I just ask a question? Didn't I give but a word? Look what he does next. He says, and he turned away from him and towards the other men. Amen. He turned away from him and, and he spoke in the same way with the other men. And the people answered him. Answered him again as he answered him before. See, listen to me. We can expect the enemy to taunt us. We can expect the giants to come out and try to, try to hold us and keep us, us bound by them. We can see that coming. That makes sense. That makes sense. But the reality is, is sometimes the enemy uses those closest to you to taunt you. He'll use those closest to you to taunt you. David's own brother. David's own brother. You'll never win. You can't win this battle. You, you can't do it. A little bit later in the story, King Saul joins in on the trash talk. He joins in. No way. You're just a little boy. You're just a little boy. He's a man of war since his youth. There's, there's no way. So those closest to David begin to taunt David. And you know what I always say? I say this. I can handle snakes in the grass, but I can't handle snakes in a tree. When I'm walking through the woods, man, I'm looking down at my feet for snakes. 
because I don't want to step on one because I really don't want to be bit by one for real. Like, I don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to do that. But I'm not paying attention to the trees. I'm not, I'm not looking for snakes in, in the trees. I'm looking for them in, in the grass. So if a snake wants to, to confuse me and catch me off guard, all he's got to do is climb the tree, and I'm done. He'll get me every time. What I'm trying to say is this. <clears throat> when the enemy taunts you, that's a snake in the grass. Expect that to happen. Expect that that's coming. That's coming. It's just the way it is. But man, when those closest to you... Because see, here's the thing about the enemy, right? Jesus says this about him. He says, he says he's a liar from the beginning of time. That's his native tongue. He don't know how to speak anything else. So when he opens his mouth, he's lying about you and to you. So we can expect that snake in the grass. Because he's under our feet in Jesus' name. But when those closest to us begin to talk trash about us, that's a snake in the tree. Because we don't see that coming. We, we had no idea it was coming from there. I had no, no idea you felt that way. I had, I had no idea. It will catch us off guard every time. But the reality is it, it happens. It happens. The enemy will use them to remind you of what you've done, where you've been, how bad you were. This is what he do. See, Eliab is David's brother. He says, take care of those few little sheep. Go back to doing what you've always done. Go be a shepherd boy. This place is for men. This ain't for you. Go, go back. Go back. Enemy using him to taunt David and remind him what you've done and what you've always done and what you'll always be. This is what happens in our lives, man. People will tell us, people close to us, You'll never get the promotion. You'll never get it. I mean, I mean you, you're not qualified for it. You never went to college. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not sharp enough. You're just not enough. You're just not enough. Because, I mean, after all, you, you, you've dealt with all kinds of, of struggles in your life. You have all types of giants. All types of, of struggles. I mean, I, mean, I mean, you've done all kinds of drugs and, and you've drank all kinds of alcohol and you've slept with all kinds of people. So, I mean, this is just who you are. Go back to doing what you've always done. Just go back. Sad but true. This, this happens a lot. And we actually see it in the church a lot. We see it in the church a lot. Those closest to us will begin to taunt us. That's why in those moments it is so important to know what God says about you. So important because you know what? God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what he said. They may say something different, but he said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That before he knit you together in, his, in your mother's womb, he called you by name. Matter of fact, it says before he even formed the foundations of the world, he stopped to think about you and create you in his heart for good works. This is what God says. He says, I've created you in my image. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're a child of the one true king. And anyone who says anything different, tell them, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. I know what God says about me. I know who I am. And my destiny isn't tied to what you say about me. My destiny isn't tied to what you say about me. And what I've done doesn't define me. The one that created me defines me. Nobody else defines me or what they say about me. He does. He's the only one with the right to call me by name. Call me by name. The one that formed me, defines me, and controls my destiny. Not what I've done, not who I used to be, but who he's called me to be. 
We got to know what the word of God says about us so we can say, I know who I am. Get behind me. Get behind me. We, we got to know what God says about us so that what people say about us doesn't define us. And we're going to have Eliabs in our lives. I promise you. I've had multiple Eliabs in my life. Told me I was a drug addict, I'd die a drug addict. Told me I was too young to lead. I wasn't qualified enough to pastor. Telling me all these things I wasn't good enough to, to, to do. That I didn't have the right pedigree and my family tree had doomed me. All these, all these things against me. That's not what God said. Amen. That's not what God says. That's not what God says. And you know what else God does? Because he's so good. He's so good. He begins to surround us with people who will love on us. And speak God's word over us, not the things we've been through. Man, we have to start surrounding ourselves with people who will speak life and not death. Who will speak God's promises over us and not what we used to do. We don't need people to remind us of who we were. We know that. We lived it. For the love of God, I'm the one that walked through it. I need you to remind me about nothing. Man, can I tell you how grateful I am for Pastor Tim Teague and, and, and Pastor Jim Balzano? These men love on me like no one else. I can remember the very first time I ever met Pastor Teague. Very first time. You know where I was? I was locked up in jail on drug charges. About ready to do several months in, in prison. I was locked up. I was beat up. I was, man, I was broken and disgusted. This man comes in to visit me and I'm in jail. You know what he began to do? Tell me how, how God has a plan for me. How God had great plans for my life, plans to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me a hope and a future. How God had something for me more than what I was living for in the moment. He told me how Jesus could set me free from, from drug addiction and use me for his glory. Now listen, he could have chose to talk trash to me. I was locked up. I would have deserved every word. He could have chose to tell me how bad I was and how I needed to change my life and how I da, da 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 He could have done all that. He had the right to do that, but it didn't. Instead, he chose to see what God had said, not what I had done, not what I had done. From that day forward, he just spoke life. He just spoke life. And because of that, today I'm, I am saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Because of what he did. I got a beautiful wife and my wife has a handsome husband. Come on, somebody. Amen. I'm obviously kidding, but I got two amazing kids. God has blessed our lives above and beyond anything that I could ever expect, anything I could ever ask, anything I could even ever imagine. 15 years ago, that's what was happening in my life. And now look what God has done. Because somebody around me chose to tell me what God said about me. Amen. Instead of speaking to remind me of what I'd done. This is what these, these giants do. I can remember, man. I can remember when I was facing a giant called depression a few years back. It was a horrible giant, man. Horrible. This thing had me beat down broken down it was binding me up it was telling me that i'd always be sad that i'd never be glad that, that, that this is just the way life is this is just the way life is this this giant named depression but but you know what happens when the enemy sends a giant to taunt us god will send someone to build us Amen. to speak life over us and pastor jim came and took me away sit with me for hours and just proclaim God's victory. 
that this too shall pass. That sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That the joy of the Lord will be my strength. These giants come to plague us, but God has spoken life over us, spoken victory upon us. If we just simply listen to what God is saying and not what others are saying, put people around you that will speak life and not death, that will speak blessing and not cursing. Get away from them. Shut them down. Shut them down. Don't give them your ear. Surround yourself with people who want to see God move in your life. If we want to live a life slaying giants, surround ourselves with people who will speak that over us. And see, when, when Eliab started to taunt David, right? It says that David turned from him and looked at the other men. He turned from them. Uh-uh, I ain't hearing that. Hearing what you got to say. You can take that on down the road somewhere so somebody wants to hear it. Take that to Dr. Phil or Oprah, someone that wants to hear it, because I don't. Turned and looked at these other people. And look what he said in verse 34. Look what he says. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. Look what he said. And when there came a lion or a bear, and it took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he rose up against me, if this lion or this bear rose up against me, I caught it by the beard and I struck it down and killed it. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. Plural, by the way. Plural, multiple giants. Plural. I struck them down. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be no different. He'll fall just like the rest of them fell at the name of the living God. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear, will deliver us from the hand of this, this Philistine. You know what this shows us? Shows us how important our testimony is. See, when those around David started to ridicule David and tell what David couldn't do and how he wasn't ever going to do it, you know what he did? He said, no, 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 I remember what God has done. I remember what he's done, and because he'd done it before, he'll do it again. The same God that did it back then is the same God that will do it here again. We got to be a people who speak our testimonies to share what God has done in our lives if we want to slay the giants that are plaguing our lives. It goes on in verse 40. It says, And David took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch, and he grabbed his sling. He had it in his hand and he approached the Philistine. 44 says this. The Philistine said to David, come, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and, and to the beasts of the field. And David looked the giant in his face. Looked the giant in his face. He said, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And I will strike you down and cut off your head. Listen to me. Don't give the devil a foothold. Be ruthless. Cut his head off. Lop his head off, that giant that's tried to plague your life. That addiction. That hurt. Cut, it, cut its head off, that offense. Get rid of it. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines, not just yours, but everybody that's with you. I'll give you all over to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. So that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. 
that all the assembly may know that the Lord saves not with a sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Come on. Come on. The battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling, <laughs> with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine, and he killed him. There was no sword in David's hand. No sword in his hand to win the victory. It was because he gave the battle to the Lord. Because he gave the battle to the Lord. Final thing I want you to take home with you. Give the battle to Jesus. It's not yours to fight. It's not yours. You don't have to do it on your own. It don't don't depend on your abilities and your strengths to, to defeat the enemy. The battle is his. It's not by power nor by might, but by his spirit declares the Lord. Men and women, you got to listen to me. Listen to me. Slaying giants happen when we give the battle to the Lord. When we give it to the Lord, you know why? Because every name will bow at the name of Jesus. It has to. So every giant, you can name them, anxiety, depression, all those different things. Whatever it is, you name it, Jesus is greater than it. So give it to him. So if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, man. Take the opportunity to do that first and foremost. So you can give the battle to him. We're going to give you an opportunity to do it as a church family in just a moment. We'll have this opportunity. And if you have given your life to Jesus, but you still are finding yourselves in battles because that's life. Make sure you're re-surrendering the battle to him today. Say, Lord, I don't want to rely on my own wisdom anymore. I'm done. I'm finished. I lay at your feet. Number two, be a person who submits to authority. You got to get under in order, in order to get over. It's just the way it is. It's just how God has set it up. We get under authority to make sure we're receiving correction, one, from the spirit of the living God. When he speaks to our heart concerning sin, we repent and turn from it and go away. Leave it. And leave it. Also make sure that we're giving other people the authority for accountability. Man, this life was meant to be done together. It's not meant to be done on your own. Out there on an island by yourself. It's meant to have people and make sure you trust the people. They, make, sure, make sure you trust them. If, they, if you don't, don't give them your ear. But people who actually love you for you. Not for what you can do for them. Not for what you've done for them. But just simply for who you are. Give those people the authority to keep you accountable third know what God has said about you know what he has said about you so you can combat what the giants try to tell you that's the only way to combat him is to know what God has already spoken over us number four have people surrounding you kind of like the third one or the second one that love you Make sure you got people that's encouraging you and speaking life over you. Telling you of God's promises that he's spoken over you. Not what you've done. And number five, always share your testimony. I tell people all the time, if God has done something, tell people. Tell them. Tell the world. Be a tell the world teller, man. Tell him, this is what God has done. I was, I was laid on a bill, didn't know where the money was coming from. The next thing you know, I overpaid some other bill and they gave me money back. If you don't think that's God, then you're crazy. That's God delivering you from your struggle. 
and tell somebody about it and no testimony is too small. None, none. You are an overcomer by the blood of the lamb, by Jesus. You've given your life to him, you've overcome. And by the word of your testimony to continue to overcome because it's not just a moment thing that we need to overcome. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. He, he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's always going to be coming. This is what we got to do, guys, to, to slay our giants. Come on, stand to your feet, please. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for it. We thank you that you have called us victorious. We thank you that you go before us and you make every crooked path straight. We thank you that we can be strong and courageous because the battle is yours. And I pray that today, God, we would walk out of this place with our heads held high, understanding what we have in you. That we would live in this place of understanding, Jesus, just how good you are to us and who you've called us, how you've called us by name, how you have chosen us to be victorious. Let us live that way. The victory belongs to you.